I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Hey, Mr. Binks. You know, Britain is a nation of animal lovers. That's why we're lucky to have a host of organisations like the Blue Cross that help little dogs like you and many more. That's why we're jumping on Zoom to talk to Kerry Taylor, the Education Manager at the Blue Cross, about the organisation's 125th year. Kerry Taylor, welcome to A Dog's Life. Oh, thanks so much, Anna. It's great to be here. Well, I'm honoured because it's uh, it's amazing and congratulations on celebrating your 125th anniversary. Thank you very much. We're, uh, we're really excited to be shouting about all the fantastic work that Blue Cross has done over the years. So, yeah, it's going to be a year of celebrations, I think. Yes, and quite right too. You know, but 125 years ago, I guess the world was a very different place. Certainly there were no Zooms. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not. So how do you think, you know, um, the Blue Cross has adapted over the years? Indeed, even changing your name, because in 1897, explain what you were called, the Dumb Friends League? Yeah, we were called our Dumb Friends League, so... Oh slightly different uh, from what we're called now but yeah I think things have changed so much and um, what we do know is obviously animals were used very differently back when we originally started in 1897 so the, there was a group of animal lovers who wanted to help support animals that were used especially horses on the streets of London so they were often used for transport you know, hauling heavy loads, that sort of thing. So they were really there to make sure that they got the fresh water that they needed, the food and the veterinary treatment. Absolutely. But what about, you know, dogs at the, in that era? Because I think that was still the time when we had rabies, wasn't it? The late Victorian era and, you know, evil practices, I say evil, but you, you, they are evil, dog fighting, for example. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and these kinds of blood sports that the Victorians, you know, are very good at. I mean, in fairness, it was before television, but even so. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and actually, not too long after we started, in 1906, we opened the very first ever animal hospital. So that was to treat the pets that really needed help, um, whether it was an injury, whether it was, a, you know, a, an accident um, they'd got poorly and had one of these terrible diseases we were there to really help support pets and and our amazing Victoria Hospital um, is still here today doing those wonderful things so is it's great to see that we've continued that going Oh, totally. In fact, I've been honoured to have a, a massive tour of your Victoria ah. HQ. Um, and I must admit, I, it, it had, I think it had just opened or not long. I mean, it was sparkling inside yeah. and, and some of the technology, you know, we had a little peek into some of the operating theatres and so on. I mean, not while they were in action. And yeah, it was really mind blowing. And, and the kennels, the big crates yeah. that you have, and it's so hygienic. So I think that's so important and at that time to highlight animal welfare I mean do you think back then people valued animals less mm. or do you think it was simply circumstances the, the way everyone lived every there was a lot more poverty in those days yeah. as well yeah I think it's so difficult because what what we've seen is obviously that they were used very differently 
horses and dogs and and other animals but actually when you look through some of our archives over the years um i'm particularly thinking about kind of world war ii here but we started up a boarding kennel for dogs where soldiers had to go off to the war and didn't want to leave their dogs at home on their own or their families couldn't look after them so they put them in our boarding kennels and we had nurses that would look after them and walk them and treat them like their own and when you look back at these pictures the, the joy when the soldiers come back and see their dog for the first time in what could be months or year it's just amazing so I do feel that we have always had a connection with animals and our pets but maybe it was just slightly different with how they were used yeah and no, I, I agree but arguably as well back in the day when terriers were used to kill rats because we yeah. didn't have a sewer system you know yeah. um might you think that you know these dogs were perhaps happier because they had a purpose they had a job mm. they were very active compared to nowadays when you know I, I, I do a deep sigh you know yeah. when some people you know some of my friends don't regularly walk their own dog these days yeah that's really interesting Anna actually I mean all our different breeds of dogs have things that they love to do don't they that they were born to do traits and when we expect them to live in our home, um, adapt to our family lives, then sometimes they miss out on those things that they really, really like to do. Um, I have a lurcher, so my lurcher loves to chase, you know, that's what he gets a big buzz from but of course I don't want him to chase anything you know and I'm constantly training him and making sure he's got good recall so I think it's it is finding that balance and at Blue Cross actually one of the things we're really focusing on for our future is that understanding of pets and making sure that we've got education advice um, it's all available for people to really understand the type of pet that they've got, what are their specific needs for that species, uh, maybe that breed, so different breeds of dog, but also that individual as well, because they all have their own personalities. Absolutely. I mean, I guess, you know, again, 125 years, you know, it's the First World War, the Second World War. Mm -hmm. And I guess, you know, most recently, the effects of the pandemic and what we've seen, you know, in unscrupulous breeding and perhaps this, you know, thing that dogs have now become a fashion accessory and everyone yeah. must have a dog. But might you also agree that perhaps some people have lost touch with what a, a dog is? Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And, and actually at Blue Cross, we just did a survey to kind of celebrate our 125th anniversary. And you know, over 60% of people agreed that the pandemic highlighted the importance of pets. And 30% of these people felt that actually their pet was their best friend. So you're right, we do rely on pets in a very different way at the minute. But I think we're so used to getting wanting things instantly. You know, we go on our phone and we buy a top if we want it or a pair of boots or... Mm food you know whatever we want we can get it instantly and and that's happened with pets over the pandemic you know that online sales and like you said that kind of it's you know scrupulous breeding that's going on at the minute has really had an impact on the number of pet owners out there but also the people that may be struggling because they haven't done the research or haven't really looked at what type of breed of dog to get maybe have fallen into that fashion trend that you were just mentioning um, at the minute of flat face breeds so your brachycephalic breeds um, so your French bulldogs your pugs who who actually may be really suffering with breathing issues or skin issues 
So, you know, we're really there to try and help support people at that, that very earliest moment so that they can enjoy their life with a pet. I mean, that's just brilliant. You know, it really is, Kerry. But you also, it's almost a, a cradle to grave service that yeah. the Blue Cross offers, you know, because the other big factor, I think, in recent times that we've seen, although it's not new, um, but it's the grief, the yeah. devastating heartbreak. Let's not, you know beat about the bush here I mean I think there's been loads of studies that do concur that you know the loss of your best friend that we now know over 30 percent of us do yeah. card our dog as such you know um is more heartbreaking than the loss of a family a human family member oh I I mean pets mean so much to us don't they and we have the most wonderful team at Blue Cross um the pet bereavement team but it's not just bereavement it's any loss actually which is really important to say because you know yes of course if we sadly lose a pet um you know to old age or they have to be euthanized for any reason that grief is is just devastating is it destroying um but also it may be that a pet has been stolen or run away and lost, or even someone has had to contact Blue Cross because their circumstances have changed and they can't care for their beloved pet anymore. You know, they've had to move into accommodation, uh, rented accommodation, for example. But our pet bereavement team are there to support people, whether it's over the phone, email, web chat, because we really do appreciate just how hard it is. And, and we want to be able to try and support people through that. Yes. And I mean, in these uncertain times, you know, I can imagine, you know, a few people are having to move into rented accommodation. But I know the Blue Cross was very much behind um, a campaign or discussion in Parliament called Jasmine's Law, which was to kind of reverse these nasty pet clauses <laughs> that are like no pets for rented yes, accommodation. Yes. Because poor people in rented accommodation, you know, it is difficult to, you know, share your life with a pet, yeah. um, which I personally think is ridiculous. Ridiculous. you know when you think the damage that toddlers can do with a felt tip pen in about two <laughs> Very seconds true. you know <laughs> so um and you know depriving people of the great benefits of um pet ownership so you know all being well that situation might resolve in due course Oh, I agree. And you're right. We have been very much behind encouraging housing associations and you know rented accommodation to embrace pets. Um, we know that pets can make such a positive impact on people's well-being, um, meaning that they don't they're not feeling isolated, lonely, um, companionship, getting them out, getting fresh air, all of these things. And actually, when you get that match right, there is no reason why you should be able to have a pet in the accommodation. Um, so, yeah, we, we very much want to still support pet ownership and having those mutual benefits. So not only is the person benefiting, but benefiting, but the pet is really benefiting, too. Oh, no, absolutely. It is a two way street, you know. But going back a bit, I mean, what would you say for you, Kerry, is the Blue Cross's proudest moment? Yeah. For me, probably the creation of Victoria Animal Hospital in 1906. I think we should be so proud of that. And even today, like you said, when you visited, you know, I'm inspired by all the work that goes on there and the people and pets that we help. Um, but also I, I feel really proud of, of when we used to um, award medals to hero, hero pets. So in our big archives again, I found this little story of a dog called Ruff. And it was in 1944, I think. And 
Ruff um, actually helped rescue his family where they'd been bombed and their house was just in basically rubbles. And Ruff went in and he managed to drag out a baby that was 10 months old, um, baby, baby Graham. So that oh. was lovely. And he then went back in and rescued Graham's mum and even their family cat, Ginger. Oh. You know, so brave and just shows the power that pets can have and, you know, how just courageous they are and we awarded him a medal so he was recognized for his bravery so those stories just make me feel really proud to be a part of Blue Cross. Oh gosh yes you know and you know that so proves doesn't it that dogs and and, well all animals have emotional intelligence yeah and and absolute bravery but you know and I think that's something as well in your education uh, programs that the Blue Cross is really highlighting you know these are compassionate sentient beings Oh, you're 100% right. And we have an education programme that reaches schools and youth groups. And it is all about trying to promote that animals have feelings. Um, You know, they have emotions. And actually, we really try and promote that choice element with a pet. So, you know, does that dog really want to come and say hello to you or be cuddled around the neck? Mm. Um, And small pets, a big focus for us moving forward is, you know, rabbits, rodents, Um, And giving them a lot more space in their environment, making sure it's the right size cage, they've got enrichment, but also that we're promoting um, that actually they may not want to be picked up for a rabbit. That is terrifying to be picked up in the air as a prey animal. So we promote that kindness, giving a pet choice. And then, you know, children can really flourish with the relationships that they have with the pets in their homes. Yes, because animals and children, you know, they should be like strawberries and cream, you know, and it (laughs) always upsets me when, you know, you get those headlines, which, you know, they're tragic, but you kind of think they didn't happen before, you know, unless they just weren't reported. But, you know, when I was young, there weren't those headlines, you know, and you have to ask yourself why, you know, bit, but science as well, you know, is just moving forward so much in helping us understand, you know, how dogs think and why they do the things they do. And and the same with rabbits, you know, so many people keep rabbits, bless them on their own, don't they? Oh, yeah, they really do. And we, um, you know, it's so lonely for a rabbit who was used to living in groups, at least a pair. And, it, you know, it's so hard. And I think for us, for the future, you know, we're still so dedicated to helping pets and people. But the the small pets, so your, your rabbits and, and your rodents, we're going to have a real focus on that and try and improve their lives and enrich their lives. So they're not just getting those basic needs, but they're actually being able to have positive experiences too. Oh, yeah, no, I'm glad. That's great. And on the dog front, what's mm. going to be your main drive, you know, through this celebratory year for dogs? Yeah. Do you know what? It's about that understanding. So you just said to you about science and we're understanding pets even more. But it's about really getting to know your pet and knowing what they like, what they dislike um, and picking up those behavior signs really, really early. Um, you know, I'm just so I have a he's an old boy now, bless him. He's 14, but a, a lurcher and two young children. So a nine and a six year old. And I've noticed he's older. He can't hear as well now. Um, And it really is about me taking that responsibility to say to my girls, make sure you don't wake Diddy up while he's sleeping. Diddy, I love that. Yeah, (laughs) 
Oh. <laughs> little diddy lurcher. Um, yes. Because he can't hear you as well now and it will, it will scare him. You know, how would you like it if someone came and woke you up when you were asleep? Um, you know, Absolutely. Your... And you know that adage, you know, let sleeping dogs lie. You yes. know, I think some of those old, <laughs> old sayings, you know, are so true, you know, and um, but it's true, you know, a dog is is for life, isn't yes. it? And and through that life, they go through different stages, just like we do. And, um, you know, not all dogs are come into your home born trained. And I think that's yeah. uh, uh, a misconception that lots of people think, oh, gosh, I've looked on Instagram and <laughs> I want a Pomeranian because yeah. everyone looks so happy with their Pomeranian and <laughs> and Poms are very strong little personalities I love them but you know some can be quite cheeky yeah you're exactly right it's really getting to know the different breeds of dog there are but also appreciating that actually even within different breeds each dog is different because they have their own personalities we have a fantastic behavior line so we created this during COVID actually and when people had gone out and bought lots of dogs, or maybe they were at home with their dogs a lot with their children as well, it's quite a stressful environment. It's a phone line where people can ring and get advice and help from us on their pet's behavior. And this has been fantastic because it's enabled our fantastic behavior team to really talk to owners and give that, I suppose, appreciation to how that dog may be feeling and why. And then when you kind of get your head around that, you know, actually you realize that your dog might not be barking at the postman because, you know, he's just being annoying. It's because he's worried. He's, you know, it's a strange person at the door. He's trying to protect his family and his home. And you get to really understand why dogs behave how they do. So we'll have a big focus on that moving forward and make sure that we are accessible to the people that need us the most. Gosh, I think that's brilliant because I think a lot of people are struggling at the moment and, you know, missing a trick, really. So I think, you know, interspecies communication is yeah. valuable, so valuable to literally see the world from a different perspective and put yourself in someone else's shoes, which uh, when I grew up, it's something my dad always used to say to me. <laughs> and I think, you know, it's important. Yeah, I mean, your dad sounds a very wise man. It's um, It is so important to have that appreciation for how our pets might be seeing the world and it is very different from us and it's very easy for us to think I know I'm just going to pick horses here but it's very easy to think like oh it's freezing cold today where I am in Oxfordshire oh I'm going to put my big thick rug on my horse and they actually my horse is you know quite hairy they're very good at regulating their temperature they don't want to be cramped, maybe. And, and, you know, and actually they're probably some breeds are OK without rugs or an extra feed. But we put our feelings onto our pets and we feel like that's the best thing to do. But sometimes it, it has a negative experience for them. So it's being aware of that. Yeah. And of course, you know, communication, what dogs and, and, and indeed horses and cats and, and rabbits are saying to you in their own language. And for yeah. us just to take the time to understand that a head turn from a dog or a big yawn from a dog or, you know, is actually letting you know that they're feeling a bit overwhelmed or they, they don't know what you're barking on about. And yeah. uh, they're like, you know, you're actually stressing them out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And and often you know, if we really want our pets they have very subtle signals 
and it is picking up those really subtle things like you said like a head turn um, or a moving away from you a shake off if they haven't enjoyed an experience mm. and and the more we're in tune with those really really you know less obvious behaviors then we get to really understand our pets and we can step in sooner we can say ah you know, actually, I can see a bit of white in his eye there. He's not happy with this situation. Let me remove him from it or let me remove my children. You know, you look at the circumstance and see what you can do to improve it. And then we're going to reduce bites. We're going to improve those mutual, mutual benefits that pets have with the relationships with their owners. And we can really, you know, help them thrive in that environment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I can't wait to celebrate this. And I really <laughs> hope to come along to some functions or, you know, days out. Have you got a few oh, lined up? Yeah, that would be so nice, wouldn't it? I hope we're planning at the minute. I suppose it's so up and down with things at the moment that it's, it's you're never sure what to plan and what not to plan. So we will definitely let you know, Anna, if there's any events or anything coming up, then um, you would be more than welcome. Oh, thank you, Kerry. Well, it's oh, been such a pleasure to chat and all of the links will be in the show notes. And, you know, I really hope we can maybe have a catch up to see how things are going halfway through. That would be amazing. It's been lovely to speak to you and I'd be more than happy to come back and, and talk about all the future plans that we've got and also how we're still helping to, you know, make sure pets and people are, are both having that wonderful relationship together. Amazing. Thank you again, Kerry Taylor. Thanks, Anna. That's our show, Mr. Binks. What did you think? Yes, the work the Blue Cross has done over so many monumental chapters is amazing. What's that? Yes, you're right. It is time for Woof of the Week. We're so lucky as a nation of animal lovers to have organisations like the Blue Cross to help pick up the pieces when sometimes not everything goes right. Well, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, please rate and review the show wherever you tune into your podcasts. Thanks again, of course, to Kerry Taylor and all the links to the Blue Cross are in our show notes. Of course, thank you to Mike Hansen, my producer. Find out more about him and his company at Pod People UK. And for me, I'm at Anna Webb Dogs. What's that, Mr. Binks? Oh, yes. We will be back in your feed next Sunday. So why don't you subscribe now? It's free. That way you'll never miss another show. Bye for now.